Hello and welcome to the BrotherlyGame.com roundtable, the post-game, post-mortem of the Philadelphia Union season, which sadly and shockingly has come to an end. I'm joined by Brotherly Game photographer Morgan Tenza and Brotherly Game writer Greg Oldfield and a special guest, Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, you know what, what, you, what you do in the game and uh, you know, how, well, you don't need to say how, how I roped you into this. I, I, I twisted your arm a little bit, but uh, if you could introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Sebastian Acosta Najamkin. I am the girls director of coaching and operations and development director for Delaware Union. And what's uh, this youth soccer club in Delaware. And uh, we also have a podcast called The Soccer Podcast. And Matt's been on before. And so. Yeah, it was yeah. great. And uh, you and Daryl do, do a great job of, you know, talking, talking about all kinds of aspects of soccer. One of the things I, I appreciate about the show, you know, you talk about, you know, a lot of the different aspects of the pro game and what's going on in the soccer world. But also you talk a lot about, you know, about things related to, to being in the club, right? You know, things about like how to sort of manage what's going on. And one of the things, you know, I liked, I appreciate about Sebastian is how you guys kind of like, you're, you're really open and transparent about things, right? Like you're not trying to hide how you run your club. You're really, uh, you're, you're really been open about how to sort of what your goals are as a club and what you're trying to do with, with, with your, your players and everything, which is really cool. So I guess to start off with, uh, one of the one of the other reasons I wanted to have Sebastian on was, you know, Sebastian is originally from Argentina, and you know, I mean, this isn't an Argentina story necessarily, but certainly Diego Maradona was, you know, from Argentina, um, you know, someone who is a is a global uh, was a global icon of sport and a global icon of soccer. So I guess to start off, I mean, Sebastian, when you know, you, when you hear the news. Um, you know, what's your, what's your reaction and, and, you know, what, what has sort of been, has, what's followed when you've sort of seen, you know, the tributes coming in and, you know, talking to your dad about, you know, getting to see him play and what's sort of been your, your response to this, you know, tragic and, and really sad news in, in the soccer world. So it was, it was really weird. Um, I was watching an, uh, a TV show from Argentina, a soccer show as it was happening, uh, you know, so it kind of caught me off guard. Uh, but it was it was really strange, and I was talking to my dad about it because, you know, Maradona's had run-ins with health issues before, uh, and to a certain extent, it was almost that weird feeling of like he's he's going to be immortal to a certain extent. Uh, so when it when it became true that that he passed away it was it was really strange. Uh, you know, for me, and I was explaining this to my wife. For me, he's a big part of my connection to my country he's a big part of the connection to Boca Juniors that I have uh, because he's to a certain extent for a long time and even to this day he's the connection to Argentina that most people have you know people you say oh yeah I'm from Argentina oh Maradona's that, that's from that's where Maradona is you know people now some younger the younger generations now say Messi but for a long time that was it it was it, you know you equated Argentina to Maradona so uh, definitely a strange feeling uh, but it was, and I think you saw it with the with what happened worldwide, and even in Argentina with with the outpouring of emotion from everybody. I think that's what he brought. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, there was something. Uh, you know, there's certain players that kind of come along, right? You know, sort of generational players. I mean, I think he was a multi generational player just because of his influence will continue to go on, you know, past his, his, you know, certainly well past his playing career in his life. 
Greg, you know, you're, uh, you're a guy who kind of came, came of age and grew up in, in, a, in a time period where like he was sort of ruling the world, right? Uh, you know, the winning the World Cup and everything when, when you're a kid. Um, you know, what's, what, what's sort of your early memories of Maradona and what, what's kind of been your, um, you know, what's sort of your takeaway from just the experience of who, who he was as a player and what he meant to the game? I think, you know, just growing up in, as a soccer player in America, it's dominated by other sports. You know, Maradona was kind of the figure that you, you know, you wanted to aspire to be like. You wanted to, you know, you looked up to him. Um, unfortunately, you didn't get to see him a lot on TV. Uh, so he existed in my mind on a poster that my brother and I used to have in our bedroom uh, of him after winning the 86 World Cup. And that was sort of the the poster that we had that we kind of used to just look at all the time. And that's kind of where the dreams start. Um, from then he kind of existed more on the videotapes you buy, you know, you buy the old videotapes with the highlights from the, from the different world cups and you start to see like how, how good of a player he was. And then eventually you get to 94 where even though he wasn't in his prime anymore, he was still uh, just magical on the ball and just so influential. So as you're kind of growing up and you're hearing his name and you're, you know, you're, you're kind of kind of making connections between his legacy and, and, you know, like your, your goals as a player, he's kind of the guy that, that you want to be like, you know, and on the field, you just did things that you've never seen before. And then you, you want to go try them, you know, and, and that's kind of the, what you want to be like, you know, you, you just want to do what he did and, and, you know, you'd fail miserably at it, but, but that, that was the goal, you know, you wanted to be like Maradona on the field. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, some of us failed, failed worse than others. I think I, I, I couldn't even do uh, a percentage of what he could do, but uh, Morgan, you know, you're, you're, you're the, you're the kid here in this, uh, in this chat, but um, you know, what, you know, what, what do you know about Maradona and um, you know, what was, what is, what has sort of been your response to kind of like maybe learning a little bit more about him since he was, you know, kind of ruled the world you know, long before you, uh, you, you came, came into the world. Uh, so before I even started getting into soccer, it was like middle school. And my friend was teaching me this trick called Maradona where you like dance on the ball. So that's the first time I heard his name. Um, and I was like, what does this mean? He goes, oh, it was some soccer player. So I was like, okay. So when I got into soccer, um, I've heard of him. I've seen clips and stuff, but like, obviously I've never seen him play live. And then I, when I was coming home from England last year on the plane, they had the documentary and I had been wanting to watch it, but it's on HBO. So I didn't have HBO. And I was like, okay, we're watching this. And the whole time I was sitting there like, like this man was incredible. And like, I've seen Messi, I've seen Ronaldo play and he, they have nothing on him. And like, he's truly one of the best to play the game ever. And seeing that documentary, seeing his whole life, how it worked out, and it pretty much seems like Sebastian said that he was invincible. Um, I've seen things on Twitter saying like, he died so young, but at the same time with everything that he did, did he die so young? Like, um, it's like he had that stereotypical celebrity lifestyle that you don't really see in athletes as much, um, but you see a lot in celebrities. So uh, he was that young star. And a lot of those young stars mess up when they grow up. Um, but he was truly one of the best to play the game ever. And so seeing his highlights and stuff, I wish I could have seen him play in real life. This is a sad story. This is a sad, this is a sad round table, I think. Uh, you know, the, the, the union, you know, they, they win the supporter shield. 
Um, you know, I was there that night, Morgan, you were there as well. You know, just a, an incredible moment for this franchise, incredible moment for the club. And then, you know, you, you know, Greg and I were kind of talking a little bit about this and Sebastian, we talked about how, you know, they, we basically were confident they were going to win it and they did. But, you know, there's, there, there's, I think early on, even like the celebration, I was like, I, I started to get nervous because it was like when you saw the cooler come out and you're like, oh man, like, yes, they want a trophy, but we got stuff to play for. Like, you know, the, this feeling of like, like, this is, this is really, really good. And this is great. But like, why, the, why is there 16 days until they play again? Why do they have to play? You know, you saw the schedule. I mean, did anyone not think they were going to play New England? I mean, I think it was pretty much an inevitability. Uh, Morgan, you're there that night. What was kind of, what were you seeing? And, you know, what do you, what do you think went wrong? And, and what was sort of the, the experience of sort of the reality that this, this incredible season, which had ended once before and started again and then ended again and then started again, um, you, know, you know, what was that experience like for you? Honestly, um, it was really heartbreaking to be a part of just because like, yes, you're going to play a team so many times, you can only beat them so many times. And that's what I kept on thinking when we were losing. And it's like, I wasn't as sad as I thought I would be because the season is over and that's really heartbreaking, but we accomplished so much on and off the field this year. Um, but yeah, it was a tough way to go out. Um, I was talking to the McKenzie family right after the game and we were just saying how New England came out and played really well, and we came out and didn't. And that was pretty much the worst game we played all year, in my opinion, and it came at the worst time. But like I said, it's we played such a good season. It was a historic season, COVID and everything. It was probably the hardest season a team would ever have to play, and we won the Shield, which in the world of soccer is the best trophy you can get in your league. I know in America, we all love playoffs. We all love the MLS cup. And most of the people in the league do value the MLS cup higher. But if you're looking at this from outside of you, if you're looking at it from Europe, they don't know what playoffs are. They only know that the shield or the best record is the winner. That's what they reward in the premier league. So I think, especially in a year like this, that, the supporter shield is a super, super huge deal. And we did get it. Um, but it was heartbreaking to see Mark and Brendan, two players who I've been shooting for three years now, um, since Steel Days and now Union Days. Um, it broke my heart to see their emotions because it's probably the last, well, it's definitely the last time Brendan is in a Union jersey for now. And it's probably the last time Mark was on the field as well. You saw that in his emotion and at the end of the game, it, it was just really heartbreaking to see their reactions. Um, the fans were, in my opinion, were not that good. Um, towards the end of the game, there was one guy cursing out the players saying, you guys suck, like you don't deserve the supporter shield. And I'm like, you're not, you don't deserve to be a fan. You don't deserve to be one of the few who were able to go there if you're not gonna respect this team. So uh, there was a lot of mix of emotions for me. Um, but Greg, you know, you, you were there, you kind of, you, you sort of, uh, wrote about it, um, you know, some of the things that went wrong, but, you know, in terms of when you're, when you're watching the game and sort of seeing the result, you know, what's kind of your reaction, you know, to, besides the fact that, you know, now we don't have any games to write about for a while. <laughs> um, I mean, it was frustrating, number one, because, you know, we, we'd seen little bits and pieces of what they did that game. Uh, throughout the season like you said you know there's times where they didn't show up there's times where um, they had trouble 
you know, breaking down a, a, a defense that was going to sit back. Um, there's times where, you know, your forwards don't show up. There's times where um, certain players don't have their best game. And, you know, a lot of times in the beginning of the season, they were saved by Andre Blake. And, you know, as, as, as the game sort of unfolds and you start to see, you know, where's a goal going to come from? Um, you know, like Sebastian said, you know, that second half, El Senior was the best player on the field. But, you know, he's also combining with uh, Bedoya, who's, you could tell, he was exhausted. You know, I mean, he, he was lucky to finish the game. He was running so hard. Um, and I think the, the bigger problem sort of started up top. You know, we've talked a lot about Casper's struggles. We've talked a lot about their inability to combine as, as a strike partnership. Um, you get in some of these games where, um, you know, they're pushing for, they're, they're, they're pressing. And, um, you know, you get the midfielders with the ball, they're looking up who they're passing to. Uh, the Fords gave them nothing. And, and that was a big problem towards the end of that game. Um, Losing Aronson hurts a little bit. He did, you know, he didn't have his best game. Um, but I also thought, you know, when he combines with Elsino, he's like one of those players that the two of them sort of work together on the same page. You didn't have him in there. Um, and, and I just think that, that there was a whole combination of things that just did not uh, go well for them in that game. Um, so it's frustrating, you know, it's frustrating because they've been able to bail themselves out. But I think, like you said, going down two goals, it's a situation that they haven't seen in a long time and um, they weren't prepared for it. Like Sebastian said, there was no, the, the plan B was that they've never been in that situation probably since the Dallas game. And they really had to start pushing and, and pressing. And they just, I, I just don't think this team was ever built for that. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's, that's probably going to be one of those things that they're going to need to certainly going to need to address in the off season. It's going to be a very different team. You know, Morgan, you touched on sort of your own, you know, kind of personal, like, you know, this feeling of, you know, you, you've gotten to know these, some of these guys for, you know, the last few years shooting them and seeing their progress. You know, I, I've, I, I've certainly been there as well. And, you know, with following the Academy and then you kind of see them graduate into the team and then you see, you know, how, how instrumental, you know, certainly Brendan, certainly Mark and, uh, some of the other, you know, homegrown players have been, uh, and then to, you, you sort of, you know, you want, you want, you want the best for them. And I do think that, you know, and Brendan had said in the press conference prior to the end of the season, you know, about, you know, being, being in the stands and, 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 and you know, when the penalty kicks against SKC and the, the open, open cup final and, you know, sort of having, you know, this thought, even as a young man, you know, you know wanting to, you know, wanting the team to win a trophy as a fan, wanting that, right? And and then for him to actually to be on that field, uh, you know, along with Matt Freeze, who was at the first game, you know, uh, you know, and and Mark and stuff, and sort of to to lift that trophy. I think that's going to be the last. That's the thing I think we'll ultimately remember most about the season. Um, but you know, Morgan, when you look back, like what's you know, what, what, what sort of the, is there an image or uh, just something that you'll, you'll, that'll kind of stay with you uh, that, that kind of sums up uh, the season that they've had? Honestly, um, the photos that I have from them lifting the shield, um, 
I was a wreck. I was crying um, because I was a fan first um, before I even had the opportunity to shoot them or intern with them. And I know how hard the team has worked from the coaches to the players to the front office. They have worked so hard to accomplish this. And for everything that they've put in for this season, for the layoffs that they had, for the pay cuts that they had, um, I was a wreck. Like they deserved it more than anyone. Um, and seeing everyone get to lift the shield, getting to see the pictures of the front office staff, having to hold the shield, well, the shield. Um, and it was just um, a beautiful moment to wrap up a beautiful season um, that I think, ignoring the postseason stuff, ignoring um, the failure that was that game, um, everything post the break of COVID was phenomenal from the team. Um, everything that they had to do um, it's just like seeing them lift the shield, seeing Ali, their emotion in his face because he's worked so hard for this, seeing the homegrowns getting to, like, to lift it themselves, seeing everyone just so excited and so honored to be a part of this team. Um, it was just an image I'll never get out of my head. Sebastian, what about for you? You know, you look back at the, the, the season. I mean, one of the things I've said to people is, uh, uh, you know, if you had asked me in May if there was going to be a season and if there was going to be a sh any trophies awarded, I was like, I don't know, we'll see, right? Uh, but for you, what's sort of the thing that you'll you'll look back on the union season and, and, and st that'll stand out for you? I mean, I think it's um, it's the process, right? The the idea of, of Brendan Aronson, of Mark McKenzie scoring his first goal, uh, I think it's those moments of Fontana uh, being being a key part in certain games. I think it's the idea of the process of this of of the homegrown mentality that this that this organization has for a lot of it. Uh, I think it's the, the supporter shield. I think is gives you the the recognition for the fact that what you've done over the last five six years has worked. Um, the development has you you have something that you can say you know how how do you measure development there it is like you have something that you can say this is how we measure it this is what we achieved I think now the question is what's next you know what what is that next milestone and then what are you building towards next but I think for me it's that development of the of the youth uh, academy players yeah, I mean, it's a great year for Delaware soccer, man, right? I, you know, to have, you know, the 302 connection with with Mark and, and Anthony really, really excelling at the, the highest level in the U.S. And, um, you know, certainly, you know, Mark will, will go on to, to, to bigger things and, and, and bring more recognition to what you – to on to your level, right? I mean, you guys are doing um, – you know, one of the things I think that the MLS probably doesn't give enough credit to the club, the local clubs that are – that are teaching the game, that are teaching the, you know, the love of, of soccer that you're doing, at, you know, for, for boys and girls at your level. Um, and so I think, you know, you know, we've talked about this before, Sebastian, like, you know, when you have players like Mark and Anthony who, who reached the, who reached that pinnacle, that just gets everybody around them excited. You know, I mean, Bear Delaware is on the map, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, Newark, you know, Newark was already on the map because, you know, there's a university there and stuff. But, but Bear Delaware, you know, now has, you know, it's good, is about probably is on the cusp of having a player playing in Europe. So, and playing for the U.S. men's national team. So I think that's, that's, that's really cool. And congratulations to Delaware, right? I mean, for, for a great season as well. And, and I think too, the, the, the homegrown situation really, for me, it, it, it celebrates the whole area, right? It celebrates 
you know, that we have players coming from New Jersey, from Delaware, from Pennsylvania. And then we also bring in players from outside the area and, and, and they, they kind of, um, you know, become, you know, Jack McGlynn's one of ours now, you know, Nate Harriel is one of ours. Um, you know, yes, he's from Florida, but Hey, just like Sebastian is one of ours now. So is, so is Nate, um, you know, kind of coming, coming to the area and joining the program. And now, you know, he'll be on the first team next year. Uh, Greg, what about for you? What's sort of the, the, the big takeaway? I know you've written, you know, a lot about Jim Curtin and, you know, sort of about his journey uh, in this, but uh, what's, what's sort of the thing that you'll, that's going to stick with you from this season? Um, I, I think the process, like Sebastian said, and, um, you know, just, just the growth, you know, as a franchise, you want to see growth. You want to see that the, the, the program's heading in the right direction. You want to see that they're making progress. Um, you've seen, you know, huge improvements over the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, your coach is getting better. Your players are getting better. Your young players are, are stepping in and, 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 and taking responsibility. And, you know, when you think back even to the beginning of this season, that was a question mark, you know, I mean, how, how deep was Curtin going to go to the bench? And now he can, you know, and now you have Mbazo playing for Cameroon, you know, like there's, there's things that are happening where you feel like if you lose Aronson and you lose McKenzie and you lose Wagner, you're, you're still in good shape. And um, that's, that's kind of what you want. You want uh, the team to be just as good the next year, even when you lose, you know, the caliber, caliber of players that you're losing. So I think that, that gives, that's definitely positive, you know, that, that gives us hope, that gives us, you know, um, helps us overcome the loss in the playoffs, you know, that next year they're going to come back, they're going to be just as strong and, you know, we'll hopefully be able to lift some more trophies, you know? So I think that's, that's a good thing, you know, that's a positive thing. So that was my biggest takeaway. I think just the fact that they were, um, you know, able to progress, they were able to get better. And, um, you know, people around the country are talking about the Philadelphia union, which, you know, they haven't, you know, since, since they've started. So I think that's, that's a, a big step for, for the, for the, for the team. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've talked before about how at the end of the season, typically it's been, Oh, you know, the team didn't do that great. So you're comparing them to previous teams. Like this is the first team to get so, such X amount of points or they scored more goals off the bench than they did last year. Like, you know, you find these stats, you know, for, to promote the team and to sort of sell story and narrative, but this year they were the best team in the league. And, you know, yes, there are, there's an asterisk, there's caveats, all that stuff, but they're the best team in the league. They, they, they came back better than, most of the other teams came back in terms of figuring out how to play soccer again and be a team um, and be a team when, you know, there's a lot of restrictions. I mean, let's not forget that these players, you know, you know, Jose got it uh, because of, you know, travel and all that uh, for his national team. Casper got it early on, but, you know, they didn't have the COVID didn't derail their season. They didn't have, you know, they weren't in a situation where they didn't win the Shield because they missed X amount of games and their points per game, they finished lower, right? Like, it wasn't a situation where that – they didn't – they weren't – you didn't hear a lot of complaining about the players, about pay cuts, about, you know, the, the, you know, the stuff that was happening, like, to be down in the bubble. You didn't hear a lot of grumbling. I mean, unfortunately, you know, the Kai Wagner stuff kind of came out right before the playoff game, which I think leaves, you know, leaves <laughs> – you know, leaves a lot of question marks about him and, and what, you know, him and his agent and what they were trying to accomplish by doing that. But, you know, there's, for the most part, this team stuck together. And I think for me, 
you know, covering a team as much as, you know, as, as I do and as much time as I spend with this, I think like seeing a team that you really could, uh, you really wanted to succeed because they were doing things um, as a team. I mean, the fact that they went down to, to Florida and they, they, you know, when they, when they turn around and they have those names on their jerseys, uh, for me is still going to be the thing that, that, that I'll never forget, um, you know, to see a team come together and say, you know what, we're, we're doing this as a team. This isn't, you know, just Warren, this isn't just Ray, you know, like we're doing this together as a team and we're going to, we're going to say something about these people who've been victims and we're going to wear their names on our jerseys. I think to me is still just such a powerful statement. And they've, they've done a lot of things as an organization that, you know, we've been able, we've had, it's kind of been easy to criticize them. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, the previous regime did seem to like ignore Chester uh, completely for a number of years and they weren't, they just weren't really, there weren't really a lot of things going well in the organization. I mean, they, but they've really done a lot of things from top to bottom that I think are admirable and that, that have represented a team that, that, that you can celebrate. So I guess to, to wrap things up, thanks again for joining. I, I did, it is the holiday gift giving season. So I did want to ask you all, you know, if there's a, um, what your favorite sort of soccer related gift uh, that you've gotten has been over the years. And uh, if you have, you can recommend a, a gift idea for someone who's looking to buy, buy for someone who's a soccer, soccer fan or soccer player on their, on their list. So we'll start, we'll start with you, Morgan. Um, it's actually a recent gift for my birthday. What well, was two months ago? Um, my sister got me a large blow up of one of my favorite pictures I've taken. Uh, Julie Earth celebrating at the She Believes Cup. Um, it was a beautiful little tribute photo. Um, and um, recommendation for gifts. Uh, I'm selling prints of the Supporter Shield celebration photos. So if you want some, you can contact me on Twitter. And that's at Morgan Tenza on Twitter. If you're not following her, you should be following her, certainly. Uh, uh, Sebastian. Um, my the best soccer gift that I got um, is a little bit nerdy, but uh, we did a Secret Santa a couple of years ago when we traveled to Florida um, to visit my family and some friends there. We did a Secret Santa, and I, got, uh, I, I wanted uh, flat disc cones uh, for indoor soccer. And I got those and I thought that was a, I've used those multiple times and I, I really enjoyed that. So that might've been getting a little nerdy, but, but I, I really enjoy those. Um, and then something that I would recommend, it's actually something my wife got me. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's a uh, website called awaydays.com and they do, um, uh, they send you, you can do different subscriptions, but I have one where I'm going to get a sticker every month from a different soccer club and uh, they send you a newsletter about a, a different soccer club uh, every month. So that's pretty cool. You can do a mystery kit subscription too, where they can send you different jerseys. So if you collect soccer jerseys, there you go. Yes, I actually have that on my list. So that's, that's a good one. Greg? Uh, I mean, I think I probably got a soccer ball every year. And every year that was my favorite gift. So it didn't matter if it was a size one or you know a size five, that was probably my favorite. Um, one year I did get Sabudio, which was awesome. That was fun for a little while. You know, you have the little figurines where they, they dribble the ball around and that was, that was cool. Um, so yeah, 
the coach in me is going to say the soccer ball is going to be the best gift you could give a soccer player because they can use that until the dog gets it and rips it to shreds and it'll last it'll last a long time so that may sound a little boring but to me that's still the greatest gift i've ever gotten i put a ball on my list every year because um basically after a year's time because you know i'm no one's buying me a real ball or buying me a replica, right? So I get the, like the MLS, whatever the, the latest MLS ball for like, you know, twenty five ninety nine, And then by the time the next holiday rolls around, the, the, you know, it's basically all everything, the, the cover is all completely off of it. So um, yeah, I think that that's always something I always tell people, people like, Hey, if you, if you need something to get me, get me a ball. Uh, thanks so much for joining. Uh, this has been another brotherlygame.com roundtable. Now that it's the off season, we'll be talking about, you know, you know, some sad news, uh, more sad news, probably when the, the, they released the, you know, information about who's, whose options have been declined or who's retiring. I mean, we might have, we might see El Sino retire. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, we might, we'll see some players, you know, obviously, you know, Brendan's gone and, you know, Mark's probably gone and we'll sort of, we'll, we'll sort of see some different moves being made. I, I wouldn't rule out a couple trades within the league happening. And, you know, you have Austin FC coming in, so you'll have uh, you know potential to lose a player, uh, maybe a Warren Craval or something, but uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, see how that sort of uh, transpires, but uh, tune in, you know, check out brotherlygame.com. When we have more news, we'll, we'll do another one of these. So thanks so much for, uh, for joining me. How do I stop? Oh, stop it.